0: Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts together be acceptable in your sight. Through Christ Jesus, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are a couple of premises upon which our meditation today is based. And the first and the most important is that if you have received baptism into Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every single person who says yes to the vow that, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him in union with the church that God has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. If you said yes to that, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may say, I don't feel like a minister. The word minister has many different connotations. When you say the word minister, you have lots of images come up in your mind. Maybe you think of the hypocrisy of the Elmer Gantry types, or maybe you think of Billy Graham and his remarkable ministry across. Maybe you think of a priest in vestments and saying a high mass. Maybe you think of Uh, any number of different images, or maybe you think of the pastor who was the pastor at the church where you grew up. (coughs) Ordination is a part of the ministry of the church. Certain people are set aside to do the work of the ordained. We go through a process of preparation and checking in with the church. Hands are laid on our head, and a bishop says, Take thou authority, preach the word and administer the sacraments and order the life of the church. Or in Pastor Jerry's case, it was slightly different, but it was essentially the same because he is ordained as a deacon and I'm ordained as an elder and you shouldn't draw any inference from the titles about the importance. Because the way the body of Christ is arranged The closer you get to a place of authority, the more the weight of the church is placed on your shoulders. It's free at the edges, but in the center, in the center of the United Methodist Church, it's pure servant ministry. We serve, and we serve not in the ways that you might think, but we serve by praying, by taking responsibility, by taking the yoke of the church upon our shoulders. This morning we're going to issue a call to some of you, well, to all of you, but for some of you it's going to be a time of heart pounding and hands, palms sweating, a time of breathless wondering, are you actually talking to me, Lord? Because Pastor Jerry and I want to share the pastoral authority of this church with those that God is calling from among the pews to share it with us. It's a bit of a paradigm shift, but we need in FUMCO. I mean, we have been to prayer. Pastor Jerry and I have prayed and prayed about this. But we need a partnership of lay and clergy ordained ministers working side by side. And I'm not talking simply about volunteerism. I mean, there are people working tirelessly in this church. You, you, I've seen some of you, you're exhausted. This is not about just putting in more hours. In fact, if you look again at the title on the bulletin, this is about focus. This is about putting down some of our nets in order to follow Jesus more closely. This is a call in which Christ is asking, are you one of those who is going to help shepherd Fumco into its future? By asking on a regular basis, How does the soul of my congregation prosper? What's the state of the soul of the church? And what can I do to be a part of answering God's call? To be responsible for that. Four men standing or sitting on the side of a lake. Peter, Andrew, were in the water. Most likely, it was the morning, so the sun is glinting off the Galilean Sea. In my mind, there was a little bit of a freshening breeze. The water was cold, but their legs had grown numb. It had been a hard night fishing, and I know this because they were still casting their nets. It was a a fruitful fishing ground, but that doesn't mean you are always going to catch fish. My older brother recently moved up into the central coast area of California, up uh, to a town of Lockwood, and it's near Lake San Antonio. And one of the guys that lives in his part of the wood had a little boat and said, Do you like to fish? And my brother said, yes. And the next thing I know, I've got this picture of my brother holding a 10 and a half pound striped bass. And I said, did you throw it back? He said, no, I ate it. But he went out fishing just a few days ago and sent me an email and said, Spent eight hours on the lake today. Nothing. Most of the Galileans fished by night when a lantern or something else might draw fish and attract. And they would throw their nets, gather up the fish. And in the morning, before they went to bed, they would spend the rest of the morning mending their nets. So Philip and Andrew were standing there. They would have been standing in the water because they probably didn't have boats. And they were casting over and over. And Jesus came walking by and looked at them. And in the very first act of his public ministry, Jesus began to say, repent, which is what John the Baptist had also said, and believe that the kingdom of God has started right now. This is the moment. This is the time. We're not waiting any longer. The kingdom is on the move. If you put down your nets, I'll teach you how to fish for people with me. What must it have been like to look into Jesus' eye that day? What did they see on his face? What did they sense in that moment other than the quickening of the heart, the leap of hope within them? They drop their nets, and they go, and they follow Jesus. Immediately, Mark says, they went to follow Jesus. No more of that. I'm going to go with this guy now. I don't for a moment believe that they could have foreseen the healing of a leper, the raising of the son of, from the widow, widow at Nain, I don't think they could have foreseen all the conflict with the religious leaders or the crucifixion and the the betrayal. I don't think they saw any of that yet. All they knew was here was the kingdom and that God brings it mysteriously and God brings it in such small incremental pieces that we can hardly ever see the finish. I'm on a section of trail that leads to the kingdom of God. I don't know what's down the trail, but I do know this. If I don't take one step forward, I'll never know what's at the end of the trail. You only get revealed to you, I only get revealed to me what I am bold enough to pursue by walking in faith. And so they did. They dropped their nets, their livelihood right there, and they said, from now on, Jesus is the context for my life. Just a little bit further, there were James and John sitting in the boats with their father. Now what does that tell you except they inherited the family business? No standing in the shallows for them. No tirelessly throwing nets. They have boats. Boats get to the deep water. Boats you can let down for a catch, which they most likely had because they were already on the beach mending their nets. You ever had a day when you have just been working as hard as you can, you come home, the lawn still needs to be mowed or the trees still need to be trimmed or something else needs to happen and you watch with dismay as the guy across the street hitches up his boat to the car, pulls out with all the boogie boards on it, and drives off for the weekend for a family vacation. How do you have community together when some people seem to have it so easy and you work hard, 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 and you work harder yet only to get further and further behind? How does that happen? Well, in the presence of Christ, it comes together because Jesus said to James and John, John, You come with me and I'll show you the kingdom of God. And they dropped their nets right there. They left their father sitting in the boat and off they went to follow Jesus. There's a clue here for all of us. In order to follow Jesus faithfully, we may leave some unfinished work behind. You don't have to get it all done in order to make time for Jesus. There is no diploma that has to be earned. There's no project that has to be finished. Whatever we were pursuing before we met Jesus, he will repay to us a hundredfold if we'll just leave it and go to follow him. Now this is a message for all of us. This is a message for all of us. We are all, every one of us, ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only question we're asking of ourselves this morning is, where has God called you to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And where is a really important question. If you don't think so, sit down with me for a minute and let's talk to Jonah. You heard the good part of Jonah's story today. Jonah is a very short and a very ancient, one of the oldest stories in the Bible. And it has the greatest beginning of any story ever told. And God spoke to Jonah and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and to preach to the people there. And Jonah boarded a ship for Tarshish. That is the greatest beginning to a story ever told. You just rub your hands together and say, This is going to be awesome. And A giant storm, and three days in the belly of a fish later, Jonah was sitting there, and God said, Jonah, let's try this again. I want you to go to Nineveh. And he did. And this time, Jonah understood that God was going to be destroying Nineveh, and he was simply sent there to preach ahead of time. So he walks into the middle of the city which takes three days to walk across and right there in the very center of the city he starts proclaiming the message this place is coming down this place is coming down this place is coming down and you see this giant self-satisfied smile on his face as he's telling them all about it except they believed Jonah and they repented and they fasted and they put on sackcloth and ashes and so God said Nineveh, you, you're paying attention now. And God decided not to destroy Nineveh. If we had read just a little further, you would have seen Jonah sitting under a plant pouting because he said, I knew, Lord, I knew this is what you were going to do. That's why I boarded the ship for Tarshish in the first place. You, you hung me out to dry. You left me looking like a fool. Poor Jonah. Poor Jonah doesn't understand that when God uses people, it isn't about the people being used. It's about the movement of God who breaks in on our lives, intervenes in our plans, disrupts our routines for a godly purpose. It's never about Jonah or Moses or David. It's never about Jeremiah or Ezekiel. It's never about Peter and Andrew and James and John. What it is about is God calling and moving in our lives. The God who relentlessly pursues us, using us. Only this time, the message that he sent through Jesus was not this place is coming down, this place is coming down, this place is coming down. And by the way, if you ever meet a Christian who delights in running around saying this place is coming down, would you please introduce them to Jesus for me? Because the message is the kingdom is near and that all who call upon my name shall be saved. Would you come with me and help me share the good news? I'll go with you, Lord. I will follow you, I will connect to you, I will be close to you, and I will share the gospel. How can we say otherwise? Now, some people are called primarily to an office place. Some people are called primarily to serve Christ in the world of sports or of entertainment some people are called to serve Christ through medicine or through engineering. Some people are called to serve Christ in economic endeavor. Some people are called to be teachers or or counselors or therapists. Some people are called to go overseas, and some people are called to go across their city. Some people are called to move through their neighborhoods, and some people are called to work in public spaces. And in every congregation, some people are called to be ministers of the welfare and the heart and the soul of a church. To look after, to attend, to pray, to intercede, to search, to seek, to find the way, to see the vision, to share the vision. Some people are called to make sure that the rest of the ministers in the congregation are made strong from week to week. That's the job that the AIM ministers are going to do. To put Fumco first. How many times, Pastor Jerry, have you and I had the call? Pastor, I know there's a meeting tonight, but I had a thing across town and I can't be there tonight. So catch me on the next one, would you? Sure. No problem. But the AIM ministers are the ones who are going to call the guy across town and say, hey, I know I said I'd be there tonight, but my church needs me. And tonight I'm going to be with the body of Christ. Men and women who have decided for one year at least that Christ is calling us to put Fumco first, I have a family, and after that, my mission is the future of Fumco, period. I belong to you, God, for the next year, and I want to be a part of that. It's a powerful invitation. And only you can know for certain in your heart whether or not you're one that God is calling. In a few moments, we're going to share the invitation. In a few moments, we're going to sing a song. And as the song is sung, those who would be part of the first year of associates in ministry will be invited to come forward. We have a little card and a place for you to sign your name to get the process started. Right now, Pastor Jerry is going to come and stand with me, and we're going to just go over. You have the brochure in your hand, Associates in Ministry. I can tell you that the commitment required for Associates in Ministry, they'll be signing a covenant. There'll be two days of training that are specified in February and March. You'll have a personal retreat that Pastor Jerry and I will help arrange. And then on the 30th of April, you will be consecrated right here in this place during worship as an associate in ministry in this church. You'll become a lay member of the pastoral staff of this church. As the year unfolds, there'll be a monthly check-in time where we'll have some in-service. I'll be spending my expense account money this year bringing in experts from our seminaries and from our uh, growing churches to work with us as we do a little in-service training and then we pray together about the church. You'll be asked to pray every day, to be in worship every time you're in town, you'll be asked to lead by example, you'll be asked to make a minimum 10 uh, hour a month commitment to serve FUNCO tangibly in some way. And you'll be asked to meet with the rest of the AIM team in small group accountability. Those are the tangible nuts and bolts. But the Associates in Ministry call is much more about heart work. And Pastor Jerry is going to point you to the points on the inside of your bulletin that have to do with the AIM covenant. And he's going to talk to you about a couple of those bullet points that are important to him
1: that church this morning, Pastor Bill gave this to me, and I thought I was getting a court summons. <laughs> in a court summons, you have to appear before the court, before the judge, and you're required to do this or face certain consequences. But in a different way, this is not a summons. Yes, there is a call, there's a summons, but this is an invitation as we have been received um, that you have in your hand Um, And just to make a distinction, when Pastor Bill talked about being called to ministry, uh, in our United Methodist Church, we have two general classes called elders and deacons. And the general distinction is that elders are called to word, order, and sacrament, and deacons traditionally have been called to service, justice, and love. And they are not meant to be separate identities, but there is an overlap and there's a sharing, call it a partnership. And that's what we do here. And it's a great beginning. And part of it is to invite you to be part of the ministry of FUMCO. And what does FUMCO stand for again?
0: First United Methodist Church of Orange.
1: And what is the first word in FUMCO? First. first. It's it's putting the church first. Years ago, there used to be people saying, I'm on fire for the Lord, you know, people who are committed to God, and they do that. We don't hear that much these days. And I think it's because people think it's more of a head knowledge rather than the zeal to do things. And if they know about things, that's good enough. But for the kingdom of God to go forward here at FUMCO, as well as in our community, as well as the world, it takes people to go beyond just the head knowledge, but to do it. And it takes people's hearts to be on fire for that, and that's where that sense of on fire for the Lord comes in. If you would open up your brochures for a moment, your summons, if you will, and look into the section that has the bullet points, and I just wanna call a few things out that have touched me, that about our associates in ministry, we're authentic in our Christianity, the first bullet point and just have an authentic Christian life, to live what we say, what we believe, and what we want to know more about. The third point there, uh, we, we see, we understand, and articulate, we verbalize the vision and mission of who we are as Fumco, to be there, not in people's faces, but to share and to draw them into what the kingdom of God is like. Uh, the point after that, that we foster health in the body of Christ here at this church. We want to be healthy. We don't want to just merely exist, but be vibrant and thrive into ministry, again, for everyone here, members or not, as well as to those outside of these doors. And towards the bottom, uh, the second to the last point, that we act as visible leaders and being attentive to the spiritual and temporal needs of others. It's not enough, again, just to know it or, say, point them to someone else, but when you can be there, and connect with people because you will know people that I don't know that Pastor Bill don't know because you're right there whether they're in your home in your workplace at school and then in partnership we can meet those needs. I mentioned about being on fire for the Lord hmm. and that doesn't mean literally burning up but we know that John Wesley his heart was strangely warm. I know my heart Pastor Bill's heart has been strangely warm or on fire for God that's why we're doing this and the question is are your hearts on fire for God as well?
0: And so it's a time of call. There are dozens of ways to say no every day. Among the most common are, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not ready yet. I would encourage you to look at Exodus and God's dialogue with Moses as a response. There are people who say, I simply don't have the time. I don't have the time for something like this. I wish I did, but I have too many other commitments. I would point you to Peter, James, Andrew, and John who set down the things that were occupying their time. And I would also point you to Genesis and be reminded that God himself is the author of time. God will show us how to make the time. There are people who say, I don't feel very religious and I think you'll hear that Jerry and I haven't been talking about religion at all. We've been talking about living faith, following Christ. There are a thousand ways to say no. But Reverend Tech Sample, a great professor and author, he, he once said that answering the call to serve God in ministry is a little bit like barfing. You put it off, and you put it off, and you put it off, but it feels so much better when you finally let it go.
1: That's what Jonah was,
0: he was whale barf. (laughs) (laughs) So I know, I know there's a million voices in your head right now that could be saying, this is not for you. You're too young, or you're too old. You're too inexperienced, or you're too jaded or there's this or that or that. Or Please quiet the voices (coughs) until you can hear God. And God will tell you, this is for you or this is for someone else. Pray for them. Listen to God this morning. God is real. We serve God. (coughs) Listen. You can be in the choir and be an AIM minister. You can be an acolyte. You can be an acolyte and be an AIM minister. You can serve on a committee. You can be in the United Methodist Women or United Methodist Men and serve as an associate in ministry. But if God is calling you to be a part of the conversation that takes place in the pastoral staff of this church, today is the day, now is the time. Here's the moment to say, here I am, Lord. Let's stand in body or spirit as we sing together. And if God is calling you, come to the front, and we'll meet you here.